Well, good. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I was going to, I, I didn't give Sister Mary this for one of the things we're going to do for November, but uh, she'll put it on the next time. I don't know why I didn't do this, but we're still going to have the birthday fellowship at the, the last Sunday of this month. Also, we're going to the nursing home on that same Sunday as well. And so I'd like to take something to the nursing home, Brother Cat, that we can give to those folks for Thanksgiving. Uh, so we can think about something like that, okay? And so also what we're going to do this year is different than we have, have done is, is I'd like to give a, a family in our church a Christmas gift. And uh, it would be from our church. And, and so uh, we'd like to, to do that. I'd like for you to pray and just begin to look around and my, the Lord may lay on your heart or something like that or that uh, may be a family in our church that we could give a Christmas gift to. And so uh, I've got somebody in my heart. Uh, and so I want you to search, seek out the Lord, search the Lord and the family of our church that we can be a blessing to. And uh, so we are, desire our hearts to do that. All right. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And we'll look in verse 35 and verse 36 morning and I want to preach on pro-choice. Pro-choice. I'm pro. Let's stand to our feet here this morning. Pro-choice. We see in verse 35 as we close out John chapter 3 and we'll move on to John chapter 4. But here we read in verse 35, The Father loveth the Son, hath given all things into His hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning as I humbly and submissively come to you this morning desiring, Lord, to be in your will. God, to be able to be in your presence this morning. God, to be under your influence and the impact of the Holy Ghost of God. We pray today, God, that you take away the blindness, you'll take away the deafness, and you'll remove the hardness. I pray today, dear God, will be the day of salvation for that sinner, dear God, that's close to hell. We're asking, Lord, that you'd move down deep in the hearts of each one of us. Father, that you'd make a difference this morning in the way of preaching. God, that we may leave out of here knowing that we've met with God, knowing that we have been visited by the Lord. Father, if you don't come and meet with us this morning, Lord, we have no really purpose of meeting. God, if you don't speak to our hearts through your word, God, then we'll leave out of here just as we came. And Lord, if you don't move in a mighty, powerful way, God, if you don't do something within our lives, Father, we'll never be anything except you do. And I ask you, God, to save the soul. I ask you to change the heart. I pray for those this morning, dear God, who just don't know. In Christ's precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we find that there was a conversation that took place here in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. And it has went all the way down through. And this conversation has now come to a place in John chapter 3 where Jesus sort of just sums up all that he has said. All of John chapter 3, 1 through 34 has now can be summed up. If you say, well, yeah, what did all that really mean? This is what it means right here. He ended with this chapter with the assumption of all that he goes. And it all comes down this morning to a, to a choice. It all comes down this morning to a choice. So if you're going to go to children's church, 4 to 7, you can leave now. You can go now. If you're 4 to 7, you actually got to be those ages. 4 to 7. Sorry about that. I kind of got a little way ahead of myself. I need to get my act together. I'm just a hot mess. John chapter 3, verse 35, verse 37. 
to 36, we find as the Lord Jesus is summing up all things, the Holy Spirit of God is recording it. John is pinning it. We find it all comes down to choice. It all comes down to choice. Are you pro-choice? Choice. God gives us choice. I would say this morning you made a choice to come to the house of God. I believe this morning uh, you made a choice to bring your family. I believe it will be a choice tonight whether you come back or not. It will be a choice whether you go to work in the morning. It will be a choice whether you eat tomorrow. It will be a choice. In all of life, we make choices. For every choice, there's a consequence. There's always a consequence to the choice. And we find the choices that are made. You choose how to go to heaven. You choose how to go to hell. It's choice. It's all completely in your hands. And then God chooses for you. So you choose how to go to heaven. And you choose how to go to, he- how to, go to hell. But then God chooses for you. We find this being said right here, and I notice in the first thing is God's choice is His Son. We see in verse 35, He says, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into His hand. God the Father loveth the Son. My, what a God in which we have today that has the ability to love. He has the ability to love the world, and He gave His Son. He has the ability to love His Son, and He gave to His Son. He has the ability to love us this morning, by it's an everlasting love. Aren't you glad that we serve a God and we have a Lord that is touched with our infirmities? That He's not a God that sits on a shelf made out of wood and ceramic and steel and glass? Aren't you glad that we have a God that has a heart, that has a spirit? Aren't you glad that we have a God today that's got ears, that's got eyes, that's got a mind? Aren't you glad today that we have a God that we can have relationship with and that we can have fellowship with? Oh, you just don't know this morning of all the worshipers of so-called gods all around the world, and we are the most privileged. We are the most uh, ones who has the greatest honor that we get to worship and we get to have fellowship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of creation, the Lord God this morning who you and I can look to and someday, one day, we'll look upon. Man, what a God. Well, that same God has made choice. Now, y'all would say if I'm in this room right here this morning and I was looking for God or I wanted to do what was right, I would probably find out what God thinks. I would probably understand what does He know and what would He choose. And whatever God chooses, I will think this morning you would choose the same. You wouldn't choose what the devil picks. You wouldn't choose what the world picks. You wouldn't choose what the friend or family members have chose. You want to choose what God chooses, don't you? I would think this morning that this God that I'm speaking of, that's the eternal God, an everlasting God, a God that never will cease to be. He's a God this morning uh, that is over all and in all. And I say, what do you want to choose? I would want to choose this morning what God chose. And who did He choose? He chose His Son. Now we see that because the Father loveth His Son. I want you to notice the first thing about this choice that God has made, that Jesus is approved. Now, there's no one else in this room approved. Jesus is the only one that's approved because Jesus loves his son. He's approved. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 22, it says this, Ye men of Israel, hear the words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. Now, who approved, who approved Jesus? God approved him. Among ye by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of, of yourselves also know. And so we find according to the scripture that God has approved Jesus and Jesus through miracles, signs and wonders, God did the work. 
And so we know this morning, Jesus, God the Father loved His Son, Jesus. He approved Him. Number two, He appointed Him. In John chapter 5, look there in verse 19 with me. Uh, God, not only the Father approved Jesus, but He appointed Jesus. The Bible says in verse, 20, verse 19, And then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He seeth the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son. There you go. There's another statement like that. And showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. As the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. We find that Jesus has appointed, uh, the Father has appointed Jesus. He appointed him his works. Verse 19, the Father's works. If you notice, the Bible says, My Son can only do what I do, and what I do, He does. Amen? And so we find that all the works of God, every work that He's ever done from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus has done the work. Number two, we notice that He does the Father's will. The Bible says in verse 20, that it was that He would show Him all things, that himself doeth, he will show him greater works than these. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, so the Son quickeneth who he will. And we find now the Father will was to raise up the Son. Now Jesus Christ has a will to raise up the children of God. Amen? And so we find this morning that Jesus is the appointed one of God and for the Father's works, the Father's will, and then the Father's wrath. Look at verse 21. For the Father, the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So now we have the wrath of the Father. Well, who has been appointed the wrath of the Father? Jesus has. Who's been appointed the works of the Father? Jesus has. Who's been appointed the will of the Father? Jesus has. My, the Father loveth the Son. We find here thirdly that Jesus is applauded. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, when Jesus was being baptized, we find that the Father out of heaven said this, In whom I am well pleased. We find all of heaven came upon earth and the words of God that echoed that day all across the world. And as God the Father was looking upon God the Son, He looked at His Son. He said, I am well pleased with Him. And there was another time whenever the, the Mount of Transfiguration, James, Peter, and John was meeting there in Matthew chapter 17 in verse 5. And boy, they tried to make some tabernacles and, and the Father said about His Son, he said, that might one there whom I am well pleased. Amen. And so of all the tabernacles that have been made and all the temples that have been created and all the worship that's going on, God the Father said to God the Son and to the James and John and Peter there, he says, that one right there I am well pleased in. Amen. So we find that not only Jesus was applauded and Jesus was appointed, and Jesus was approved. But we notice here fourthly this morning that Jesus is authority. We see that in that text back in John chapter 3, verse 35, the second part, hath given all things into his hands. The Bible teaches us this morning that Jesus is authority. Authority over what? He's authority of heaven. We find that there in looking verse 31 of chapter 3. He that cometh down from, from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. He speaketh of the earth. He cometh down from heaven is above all. He's the authority of heaven. So what does Jesus do? Jesus has authority. Where is his authority? In heaven. Number two, he's authority of earth. We find in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All 
power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Oh, the Father loveth the Son. Amen. And he has given all things into his hand. What has he given unto him? He's given all of heaven unto the Son. He's given all the earth unto the Son. Boy, he loves his Son, don't he? I'm telling you, friend, uh, Jesus now, who's the power of heaven and of earth. No, no wonder that God made choice, and he made choice of his son, wouldn't you? <laughs> Number three, I want you to notice the authority of hell. And he had the authority of death. Look in Revelation 1.18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Man, there ain't nobody in all the world that has the keys of heaven and death but God. Oh, but God loveth the Son. And what does he do? He giveth all things unto the Son, and which is in his hand. That means today that, that Jesus Christ has power over death. And he has power over hell. Power over heaven. Power over earth. Man, no wonder God chose his Son. I'm telling you, that's the wisest God in all the world that choose his son. Fifthly, he has authority of life. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, doth my father love me. There's that phrase again. Because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man take it from me, but I lay down myself as I have power to take it again, this commandment have I received of my Father. We find this morning that not only does Jesus have authority over heaven, he has authority over earth, he has authority over hell, he has authority over death, but he has authority over life. He said, I lay down my life. You didn't take my life from me. Oh, you think, well, them Roman soldiers came and they were all mean and big and bad and tough and they pulled around Jesus and jerked around Jesus and threw him up on that cross and put those nails upon his hands and his feet. And they said, we'll show you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I'll show you. Amen. You didn't put me on the cross. I laid myself on the cross. And you didn't bring death to me. I volunteered to die. And no, uh-uh, you didn't do anything that I should die. I said unto you, I will take it up again because I have the power to. Right. Can I say this morning, he has the power or authority over life. Amen. He has authority over death and hell. The authority of heaven and of earth. He has authority over authority. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, uh, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule, all authority, and power. And we find that the Father loveth the Son. He gaveth all things unto him and to his hand. And what did he give? He gave him the authority of authority. There's not a ruler in heaven. There's not a ruler on earth that Jesus is not over. There's not an authority in a home. There's not authority in a government. There's not authority in a place or in a person. There's not authority in principalities or powers or in spiritual wickedness this morning that Jesus is not over. He is over every power, every authority, every ruler. He is over authority. Oh, the Father loveth the Son. Hope I'm making my point. I mean, listen, if I was going to do anything concerning my soul, I would do what God chose. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, could you? Choose His Son. We find, lastly, the authority over sins. Luke 5, 24 says, But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. In order to have power to forgive sins this morning, you've got power over Satan. You've got power over sickness. You've got power over the seas. You've got power over all of creation. 
If you've got power to forgive sins, then you've got power for everything that sin has created or touched or bothered. Amen? Amen. You've got power over Satan's seas and sickness this morning. I mean, it's Jesus that says to a sickness, flee. It is to Jesus that says to an evil spirit, go. It is Jesus that says to a water or to a wind, come. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus Christ is authority. God's choice chose his son. Wise. I wonder if you're in this room this morning, what choice you going to make? I would say probably any other choice than what God has chose is, would say probably is a foolish choice. God made choice of his son. He didn't make choice of Muhammad. Let me say that again. He didn't make choice of Muhammad. He made choice of Jesus Christ. He didn't make choice of Confucius. He made choice of Jesus Christ. He didn't make choice of Buddha. He made choice of Jesus Christ. He didn't make choice of prophets. He didn't make choice of priests. He didn't make choice of kings. He didn't make choice of mankind. He made choice of his only begotten Son. That's the choice that God has made. And when the world and your friends and your family and Google and Internet and Facebook and Twitter and all of those other people who flank their authority on the Word of God, that they think they got a hookup with God and can tell you who to choose, you tell them they're a liar. And God chose His Son this morning because the Father loveth His Son. Amen. Amen. Number two. Number two. The saved. The saved. Choice is life. The The saved. Choice is life. If you're saved this morning, thank God. You're saved. Thank the Lord that you've been born again. Hallelujah. Glory to His wonderful, marvelous grace. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy that you bestowed. Thank you for granting us repentance. And thank you, Lord, for giving us faith. Thank you, Lord, as the Spirit of God blew by one day. And God began to draw and call us unto Him. And through faith and obedience to the Word of God, we found ourselves in the presence of God as a sinner lost, undone, without God, Christless, and going to hell. And boy, did we look upon Him with faith and turn from our sin and receive the Lord Jesus as Savior and as Lord. And within Him He dwelt as well as the Spirit of God. And I became saved, saved, saved gloriously saved. If you're saved, the reason why you are because you chose life. You chose life. The Bible says in John chapter 3 in verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. To the saved this morning, the choice, the Son, right? The choice was the Son because that was God's choice and the Son was life. We find this morning as the saved, there was no other options. Did you notice that? There's no other options for the saved. Those that are saved this morning, we're not sitting back and say, boy, did I make the right decision? Or we sit back and say, boy, I hope that, you know, what I decided on being saved is the correct one. No, if you're saved this morning, you can honestly say in your heart this morning, there was no other option. There wasn't option A, option B, option C. It wasn't A, good works, B, baptism, and C, grace. None of that was the case. It was no option. To the saved, the very choice was life, but there was no option. Number two, uh, there was no other answer. No other answer. 
When the Spirit of God came and brought conviction upon my heart of sin and judgment and righteousness, when the Word of God began to persuade me and convince me and convict me, and whenever I come to the place of faith and repentance, when I looked up to Jesus in His eyes, I said unto Him, I've got no other answer but to receive you. If you had another answer, then you didn't get what I got. The choice, there's no other answer. There's no other option. Uh, There's no other person. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given under heaven whereby you must be saved. And we find this morning the Bible gives us a choice. You said, "Who? how did you make the choice you made? The Holy Ghost of God made my choice. The Word of God made my choice. Jesus Christ made my choice. God made my choice. And who did you choose? I chose life. Amen. Amen. God's choice, His Son. Saved choice, life. Number two, not only the choice, but I want you to notice the commitment. In verse 36, the Bible says, He that believeth, believeth. That word believeth, again, we've been talking about this for some time now, and I've been doing that on purpose because I want us to understand that believe is not just a persuasion. Mormons and Jehovah Witness and the Seventh-day Witness and and other uh, groups out there today, they have persuasion of Jesus. I'm persuaded he's that. I'm persuaded he's this. I'm, I am convinced he's that. I'm convinced he's this. I have conviction that of them him being that. Now the, this word belief doesn't mean persuasion. It doesn't mean conviction. It doesn't mean confidence. It doesn't mean this morning uh, that you have been uh, moved over in a mental way, an educational way, uh, that you're not at all in an emotional way. Uh, this word here has nothing to do with any of that. The word means a continual trust. If you look at the scripture, the Bible says, he that believeth. That word believeth there, it does not mean that someday when you were seven years old or 15 years old or maybe 20 years old, that somehow you put your faith in Jesus and you did that someday, one day, and all of a sudden you can just go back and say, hey, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved because I can go back to October 30th, 1988 is when I got saved. I can go back to that day and feel comfortable. Because I have a date. Because I have an event. Because I have a happening. Because it was a Wednesday night. It was a day. It was this. It was that. I was at Parkwood Baptist Church. I go through all that process. But this word doesn't mean that. This word means it's a constant and continual trust. When I got saved, I trusted Jesus. But if my faith is that belief, that means the next day I trust Him. And the next day I trust Him. And the next day, I trust them. And how long do you trust them until you don't have no more days? Right. <laughs> See, Fred, you can't be saved and born again and become an atheist. You can't be saved and born again and be an unbeliever. You can't be saved and born again and turn your back and run from God. You can't be saved and born again and become apostasy. You can't be saved and born again and go back to the way old life. You can't. That's right. That's right. Not in this one. It's a continual trust. I trusted him with all my heart today, and tomorrow I trust him with all my heart again, and the next day all my heart again. That means, brother, what you're saying is that day when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you surrendered your heart to the Lord, uh, that you trusted him uh, for your salvation. That means the next day you trust him for your salvation again. You got that right. And every single day, it's a trust, continual. Not only that, but it's a constant faith. Continual trust, but constant faith. I got faith that Jesus saved me. I got faith tomorrow that Jesus saved me. I got faith next Saturday that Jesus saved me. When I turn 70, I'll have faith that Jesus saved me. When I get 75, Jesus saved me. Hey, it's a constant faith, a constant faith, a constant faith, constant faith. Hey, where is there any place where you don't have no faith? No. I'm talking about believeth. 
It's a continual trust on the Lord Jesus. It's a constant faith in the Lord Jesus. It's a, it is a very constant entrust. So that word believe means entrust, faith, and it means uh, this morning uh, that commitment. And so I've committed to Him, I've entrusted to Him, I've committed my heart, I've committed my life, I've committed my soul, I've committed them one day, I commit it all day, and I commit it every day. I'm committed to Jesus. Today, tomorrow, and forever. That's what that word belief this morning. Now, I don't know if some of y'all got it. Because if I had to look at your life and watch you live and what you do and how you participate and what you participate in and the very attitude and spirit which you hold and what you do not in church but out of church, friend, I would have to just look at you and cry. Because I would say this word belief is not part of your belief system. Now you may have prayed a prayer someday and you might have been baptized one day and you might have maybe done some good works throughout the days. But friend, as a whole, you're a sham. You're a fake. You're not real. Oh yes, you're persuaded of Jesus. Oh yes, you're convinced of Jesus. But you're just not committed to Jesus daily. You're not trusting Jesus, entrusting your soul unto the Lord for eternity. That's what it means this morning. What's your choice? Life. It's a choice. It's a commitment. Commitment. Number three, there's a consequence of the commitment. The consequence in verse 36 is this. Hath everlasting life. I want you to notice the first thing about hath everlasting life is that you hold everlasting life. In other words, friend, that day whenever you entrusted Christ to your soul, that day you trusted Him for the forgiveness of your sins, that day when you committed unto Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, that day you hold Everlasting life. Amen. You hold it. In other words, I possess it. I possess that if I die today, I will go to heaven. Why? Because I possess everlasting life. Amen. If I would pass on throughout the night, I would go to heaven, not because of my good deeds, not because of my prettiness, not because of what I've given, not because of my faithfulness, not because of all that I've achieved and all that I've done in Jesus' name. Oh, just because I've committed and trusted and trusted unto Him and the consequences of that commitment was, a, was me holding, possessing, taking, having everlasting life. Number two, the second thing that is a consequence of the commitment to the Son is life. It's not only do you hold, but you have. That means this morning that I have everlasting life starting right now, and I know it without a shadow of a doubt. See, I don't have to die to figure out whether I have everlasting life. John 3.36 tells me that when I believe, when I trust and entrust and commit to the Son, I have it. There's people out there tell you they don't know that you can go to heaven when you die. They're a liar. There's folks out there says, well, you got to die first in order to know whether you're going to go to heaven or not. They're a liar. Folks out there, you ask them a question, if you would die right now, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? And many of folks out there said, well, you can't know that. They're a liar. You can know that. John 3.36 tells us we can know it. Not only do we hold the everlasting life, but we have everlasting life. And right now, this day, the reality of this is I am in everlasting life. My choice was life. Not only am I going to heaven, but I've got heaven right here 
and it's possessing me. I can't, I can't lose it. The world didn't give it to me. I can't lose it. I didn't give it to me. I got it, and it got it to stay. Jesus said it like this. He said, you shall never perish, but have eternal life. When do you get eternal life? When you die? Oh, no, not for us. We get it right now. <laughs> Woo! Man, I can live my life knowing I'm going to heaven. I got the eternal security. I've got heaven within my heart. My home is to see Jesus, friend. I'm telling you this morning, if you don't have that, then you are a miserable individual because there's going to be no joy outside of knowing heaven is your home. What's your choice? The saved choice is life. God's choice was his son. And can I say here thirdly, the lost choice is wrath. The lost choice is wrath. Now who's lost? Who's lost? Well, here's, here's the lost. The lost is ones who's never committed, never committed to Jesus as Lord and Savior. They've never entrusted their soul to God. And they've never trusted Jesus. Never have. Jesus has not become their life. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You've never stepped over that line. You've never embraced and engaged in the blood of Jesus. You see, you want heaven living like hell. You want life in wrath. You don't want nobody to change you. You don't want to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. You don't want to be born again. You want to live your life accordingly, but yet you want Jesus to save you too. Friend, it don't work that way. You've got to make choice this morning. God chose His Son. The saved chose life. The lost chooses wrath. We find here in the sobering passages, I noticed in verse 36 it says, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I want you to notice this morning the choice. The choice of everyone that's chose wrath believeth not the Son. That was your choice. If you're lost this morning, your choice is to believe not. The word believe means two things. It means, number one, it means to disbelieve. It means I am not going to commit to Jesus. I am not going to trust Him. I'm not going to entrust Him. I am not going to give anything unto Him. I will keep control of my life. I will do as I please. I am not committing to Him. I disbelieve Him. Number two, that word there is a different word than in verse, in the, the, proper, the, the prior believeth. The prior believeth is word, as I said well ago, it means commit, entrust, and faith. This word believeth here is a different Greek word. It means disobey. Disobey. Now it's a little different here, isn't it? So we're not talking this morning that God's not saying that you're going to, the wrath of God will be upon you because you believe not in that you're not persuaded of Jesus or that you're not convinced of Jesus. I don't believe, I believe everybody in this room sitting here would say, I believe Jesus died, buried, and resurrected. I believe everybody in this room says, I believe there was a Jesus. I believe everybody in this room would not deny that Jesus was ever born and ever lived and ever died. But that word believeth 
in order for you to have a wrath of God abiding on you is not the word persuasion or conviction or or convincing. It's the word disobedience. Now that puts a different twist on it. Because everyone in this room that's lost is going to choose wrath because you're disobedient. That's why. Not that you don't, don't believe Jesus, but you're disobedient to Jesus. That puts a total different thought on this matter. We find that word disobey, it means that you're not going to follow Jesus. It don't matter how much you believe on Him. It don't matter how much you love this church. It don't matter how much you love your pastor. It don't matter how much you love the Bible. It don't matter how much you love, uh, you know, you being who you are. And the bottom line is, are you obeying? Are you disobeying? See, there's where it comes. And the choice for wrath are those who disobey. Disobey. They are not willing to follow. We find that the choice of disobeying is caught in Scripture all over. Let me just give you three. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. Now, if you're not going to open your Bible, but listen, listen close. It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this fire, this vengeance, uh, this damnation and condemnation that's going to come upon you, is it because you didn't believe Jesus? It's because you didn't obey Jesus. You didn't obey the gospel. My heart goes to you, out to you. Some of y'all been in church a long time. Some of y'all have heard probably over a hundred messages. Some of y'all have had out many times to come to know Jesus. And today you're still disobedient. And the flame is going to someday, one day, take vengeance upon you because you obey not the gospel. Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says, They profess that they know God. But in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Disobedience. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of it be that obey not the gospel of God? What is the commandment of Jesus that you are to obey? Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. That's a command. That's a command. And everyone that might find themselves in the wrath of God won't be because God sent you there and it won't be because you're ignorant of Jesus. It won't be because you're ignorant of the Bible. It won't be because you didn't have chance after chance after chance and it won't be because the Holy Spirit of God didn't blow upon you and it won't be because your parents didn't pray for you or your grandparents didn't pray for you. It won't be because the church at Glory Baptist Church hasn't preached the Word of God and prayed for you had given everything unto you so that you could turn your heart unto God and be saved. It will be because of of you disobeying the gospel of God. Repent and believe the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel that Jesus was born of a virgin. The gospel that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. The gospel is that Jesus Christ performed miracles, signs, and wonders. That that Jesus Christ died for the sins of many, of all. That Jesus Christ's blood that was shed was the power or the agent that could bring forgiveness of sin. Uh, That Jesus died and in three days he arose from the grave. And that he arose with victory over death and hell and over sin. And not only did he arise from the dead, 
dead, but he ascended unto heaven. And today he sits on the right hand of the Father. And someday, one day, he's coming back for his church this morning. Listen, have you obeyed the gospel? If you haven't, you've chose wrath. You've chose wrath. He that believeth not, he that disobedient, disobeys. We find this morning, this is your choice right now. To refuse, to refute, or to reject the gospel. That's all you have. Either receive it, or refuse it, reject it, or refute it. Right now, because you're lost, you're living in rebellion. You're rebellious. It is seen in your words. It is seen in your life. It is seen in your attitude. It is seen in your thought process. It is seen in your behaviors. It's seen in your imagination. It's seen in the way in which you conduct yourself. You're rebellious. Number two, you're living in offense to God. God chose His Son, but you haven't. That offends God. You're living in offense. If you're lost right now and you're not saved, you're an offense to God. You're an offense to God. You are finding yourself this morning in a state of rebellion and offense. But I'm going to tell you something else. You're living hostility with God. You're an enemy. You're an enemy. This morning, you're not that one that you think, oh, God knows my heart. Oh, God, God loves me, and God cares for me, and God this and God that, and you're going to go rock and roll on your life, and you're going to live like you won't do what you won't. But, friend, I'm telling you this morning, as lost, you're an enemy of God. At lost, you're an enmity with God. At lost right now, Fred, you're a foe of God. And right now, Fred, the wrath of God is upon you. It's not that way as you think it is. The lost choice, wrath. The choice they made, the consequences that they've made, shall not see life. The Bible says there in verse 36, because you have disobeyed and been disobedient, and disbelieved, and, and friend, you'll find the sun shall not see life. You'll never see heaven. Never. I don't care if the preacher preaches you in it at your funeral. I don't care if mom and daddy feel like you are. I don't care if grandma and grandpa persuaded that you might. I don't care if your friends come out and say, yes, I tell you, they're in heaven. The Bible says, the Word of God says, the authority of God's Word says, that if ye believeth in the Son... You shall have everlasting life, but he that believeth, that disobeys, and disobliefs the Son shall not see life. It means you never go to heaven. Never. You never enter paradise. Never. I don't care how much you want to. I don't care how much we want you to. I don't care how much we can plead with God, how much as we can pray till our nose falls off. I, it doesn't matter, Fred. We can come to the church every day this week and we can pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year that you would get saved and not go and go to heaven. But friend, if you're in disobedience and you're disbelieving and you're lost with God, you're in rebellion. And friend, you're against God and offending Him today. You'll never, ever enter. Never, never see heaven, never enter paradise. I don't care what we do. It's what your choice is. Can I say, shall not see life? Means you can't enter, you can't see it. But I can say here thirdly, you'll never live with God. Never live with God. Everlasting life, eternal life, never. Never. Can I say here thirdly, and we'll close. The choice that's made by the lost who chooses wrath, the consequences of that never shall see life. But I want you to notice the condemnation. The Bible says in verse 36, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on him. When does the wrath of God abide on you? Right now. Right now. Right now. The wrath of God Right now, 
is on you. And you know what's so scary about that and what's so frightening about that is that you're one breath away. One breath away. You're one blink away. I watched my daddy in his bed. He had his eyes open. He shut his eyes in a blink. He never woke back up. Now are you a blink away, and you're a breath away, but you're a beat away. The wrath of God is upon you now. The reality of your life is wrath. Wrath. Wherever you go, wrath. 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 It's present. It's present. Can I say here, secondly, it will always remain in your lifetime. It will always continue in your lifetime. It always will dwell with you. Whether you sleep at night, whether you go out at night, whether you run and have fun, whether you have a hard or difficult time, just remember, dear lost friend, wrath is upon you. Now is it present, but it's future. The wrath of God is a future. I notice that the wrath of God is seen in tribulation. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 6 with me this morning. This is the tribulation period. I kind of just want you to get a, a taste, ye that are lost this morning, on the wrath that you'll face because you have not chose what God has chosen. That was His Son. You've chose wrath. This is what you've chose. And in uh, Revelation chapter 6, and I, I want you to look there. Uh, let's look at, we can't read it all here because of time, but let's look in verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black, and sackcloth on, of hair, and the moon became as blood. Now this is going to happen on the earth during the tribulation period. The stars of heaven fell upon the earth, even as a fig tree casts untimely figs, when she's shaken in a mighty wind, and the heaven departed like as a scroll when it rolled together. Every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. That's scary already. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Follow us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath there's that word of the lamb and that great day of his wrath is come now these are scary words who shall be able to stand now you chose this you chose this Revelation chapter 14 Revelation 14 look in verse 8 and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them saying, the loud voice that many men worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. The same will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture of the cup of the indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in presence of the lamb. And the smoke of the torments ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night who worship the beast in his image, whosoever receive at the mark of his name. This is during the tribulation period. The rapture's taking place. The church is removed. All that's left is lost. You and all that are here are lost. And Fred, you'll find yourself coming up to a place where they antichrist, where you can't buy, sell, or trade unless you take the mark of the beast on the hand or the head. And if you take the mark of the beast, you'll find the wrath of God upon you. This is what you chose. Look at chapter 16. Chapter 16. Look at verse, verse 1. I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. This is what wrath looks like. For the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there was a noisome and a grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. It became blood as a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they
they became blood. And I heard the angel water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which thou art, was, and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. The way... It's like you going to uh, your faucet and you get in a drink of water. You turn on the water, it's blood. You don't take a shower. You turn on the shower, it's blood. You go to the, down to the Gulf of Mexico and Galveston and all you see is blood. You go down to the Brazos River and you watch blood flow down. Wrath of God. That's what you chose. Look at chapter 19. Look at verse 15. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and it shall smite the nations, and shall rule them with a rod of iron, and tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture, on his thigh, named written King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls of the, of the, that fly in the midst of the heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty, and the flesh of horses, and them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. And I saw a beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, and against his army. And the beast was taken, uh, and with him the false prophet which wrought miracles before him, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. They both were cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. The remnant were slain with the sword of him that had set upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's Jesus on the white horse coming back on the Bama Armageddon, and they're facing the wrath of God. That's what you chose. Can I say, not in tribulation there's the wrath, but in hell there's the wrath. In Luke 16, don't turn there, but the rich man died and he lifted up his, head, his eyes and in hell, being in torments. So when you die, you're going to be in hell. But then not in tribulation in hell, but thirdly, I want you to notice the eternal damnation. Turn to Revelation 21.8. The Bible says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death that's the wrath of God and then look in chapter 20 my last passage look in verse 10 and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I saw a great white throne, him that sat on in whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small, great, stand before God. The books were open and another book was open and the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to the works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judge every man according to his works death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire this is the wrath of God and this is what you chose God chose his son the saved chose life the lost chose wrath now one more plea you don't have to leave out of here choosing wrath you can leave out of here choosing life but it's your choice I beg you I beg you with all my heart that you would come this morning and humble yourself and submit yourself and say unto the Lord Jesus I'm a sinner I'm without God I would die and go to hell but Lord, I put my faith, I commit to you. I entrust my soul into Christ. That Lord, that you would come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. Oh Lord, I beg you, save my soul. Won't you choose life? You've already chose wrath. You come. Stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians, please, no looking around. Just pray. Just pray. Those that are saved this morning, pray for those that are lost. Pray. 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 Pray that the Holy Spirit will blow upon them this morning.
pray that God would draw them. Pray that the blindness and the deafness and the hardness shall be removed. Oh, dear friend, this is real. What choice will you make as you leave out of here this morning? You sing, Brother George. Won't you come, dear sinner friend? Dear unsaved. Dear lost. You don't have to be lost. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come unto Jesus this morning? Won't you come give your life? Won't you surrender this morning? Won't you turn from your sin? Trust in the Savior. Please, I beg you. Choose life. Don't choose wrath. Please. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Among also you all have your conversation in times past in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. You that are lost this morning, you're the children of wrath. Man, my heart broke for you. God help. Let's pray this morning. I thank the Lord for you. Appreciate you being here. Brother Keith, will you dismiss us here this morning? Oppression, misery, where smoke and vapor stood, burnt sacrificially. The sacrificial fire ascending to the skies of dreadful human offerings, who there won the prize. The dreadful burning fires, the shining stakes alight, the shame which Zion bears, God's people ne'er affright. O Savior, Lord of heaven, of earth and sky and sea, 
Thanks for e'er that us is given, this heritage from thee. No. No!